turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. Actually, the title for the message is a little different from what was in the bulletin. There was a, a transitional uh, uh, a misprint, I should say, in the bulletin, really, of the, the title for tonight's message. The title for tonight's message is really, Who, For Whom Am I Working? For Whom Am I Working? Let's look at Proverbs 16, verses 3 and 4, and have a word of prayer and start. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for having the opportunity this morning to worship together, and we thank you for... Uh, the fruit that you've borne through that and the fruit that you're bearing through tonight as we share the simple things that you're doing in our lives and how you bless us abundantly. And it just shows us your goodness and help us to be a pe uh, people that are full of praise. And we thank you and praise you that even in the practical areas of life, such as work and employment, we can study the word of God and get our direction and get our answers. And we pray, Father, now and ask that as we continue in our study, uh, in the book of Proverbs, that you would just bless our time. We thank you for this, in Jesus' name, amen. We are winding down the book of Proverbs, as you know, and we are on the last uh, topical area as we continue this book, and it is the area of wisdom in the marketplace. So we said, really, the work, our job. So what have we learned? And it's going to be important to something I want to read for you tonight here as well. And what have we learned about work and what God says? And let me just review a couple of things. There's only a few of them. But we said that God set the example. He worked six days. And we see throughout Scripture that he works. Uh, he puts energy into things that he does. And he set the example for us. Also, we saw that God expects us to work. God does not expect us to live off society. He expects us to work. He's designed us for work. In fact, the third point that we learned about work is that God instituted it before the curse. It is not a result of the curse. Sometimes it feels that way, and it does because we know the curse has made it more difficult, even in farming, even in gardening, as you look at the scriptures. The soil works against us all the time. But they were in the garden to till the garden before the fall ever happened. And God has not only set the example and expects us to work, but God has instituted employment and work, if you will, and that effort before the curse. The fourth thing we learned is that it should start with childhood. And that is we shouldn't just be thinking in terms of when I get out and get a job, either when I'm in high school or when I'm out of high school and college and I have a career, but we should start teaching children responsibilities and the idea of working and being involved in chores and responsibilities around the home. There is a time to play, but there is a time to teach all the time our lessons for our children. And then the last two that we looked at last week, we saw that work is profitable. And we spent our message on these last two points, mostly on this one here, that we saw that work is profitable in the book of Proverbs for four areas. One, it is profitable for us. It, it gives us that sense of achievement, that sense of responsibility. It's also profitable to our families in that it provides for us, uh, for our every need. 
It is profitable for society, we saw. Society benefits by the abilities that God has given us and the work that we put in, the very lighting that we're talking about, the very things we talked about tonight, the ability to have a shower, the ability to have electricity, the, the ability to have oil in the house and the works with the burner and all of that stuff. Society benefits. It is profitable for us to work, and we want to think in terms of that. And, and the fourth thing that we saw was that it is also profitable for us just for our testimony, because God, since he expects us to work, it's a testimony on how we do our job, which is going to lead into tonight's situation. And then the last thing, point number six, before we get into the seventh one tonight, point number six was we ought to be thankful for our jobs, and we spent a, a good deal of time on that as well last week. And often we're not. Uh, whether the conditions are good, whether our employer is a difficult employer or a very easy employer, whether these work circumstances, which often are not the best, and we often complain, even when they're not the best we saw in Scripture, we are to be thankful for the job that God has provided and learn by God's strength uh, not to complain, but to, again, be thankful and to uh, use that. And one of the things I didn't get to, because as we were closing, we had gone over quite a bit last week, and... Uh, I just want to amplify that particular point with an article that I, that I came across. I have a number of articles that I, some of them are really old that I keep and some of them are very current and it's interesting, some of my files over the years I've had current events and then I go back and look at the folder and it's like 15 years old, they're not current events anymore. So I gotta change them out and whatever. But one of them had to do with uh, this article, I thought it was interesting, as I said I wanted to share it last week about being thankful for our jobs. And, we try to deal with some practical things. What do you do if you have a boss that's difficult? And we talked a little bit about that. This one, I just thought I'd share a couple of thoughts. It, it's, it's several pages. I won't be reading it, but I will give you some highlights just on some practical applications of those things that we talked about. And that is the, the work, the article is entitled Four Co-Workers Who Can Drive You Crazy. Uh, it was written in 1988, interestingly enough, in 1988, and it was written by a believer, and the sub-point is, how does God want you to respond to that person who sometimes makes your job miserable? And I think that's pretty practical, and, and there's a lot of things in here, but I want to highlight just a few things for you tonight in closing that area that we ought to be thankful for the job because of the opportunities. And I, I think it'll also lead into the point that I want to make tonight. Um, just in general, in the article, on the second page of the article, one of the things that it, that it points out that I just want to read to you is that we ought to have a spirit that guards against bitterness. And I think that's a good practical thing. On our jobs, guard against bitterness. And I will quote just one very small paragraph. It's only two sentences. It says, uh, as we guard against, uh, um, as we handle our situations, we must guard against the buildup of bitterness. It is our responsibility to keep the root of bitterness from growing within us and coming out toward others. And that is something that we have to do before the Lord. 
with the Lord's help, is to guard against, because we can get bitter toward a boss, we can get bitter toward circumstances, we can get bitter toward others, and we want to be careful that we don't do that. Another point that's in this article is how do you cope with negativism? How do you cope with negativism? You ever get a person on the job and they're always negative? Well, let me, let me read a little section here first on this. It says, it once had a coworker who constantly looked on the dark side of things. If the weather was lovely, he predicted rain. If things were going well at the office, he was sure there was something hidden, some hidden catastrophe right around the corner. If I said, you look good today, he said, I feel terrible. Um, if you ever work closely with a negative person like this, and it goes on, so how do you do that? And a couple of practical thoughts with this. Uh, now, that's what I'll get to. Uh, keep your own spirit up by Proverbs 15.30, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart. That's a different translation, but that's the essence of what it says. Keep your own spirit up by having a cheerful heart and don't get down by what others are doing is the point. A second thing that they recommended when you have a person like that on the job is from Proverbs 12.25, and I'm not turning to these because these are verses that we have looked at. But again, they applied it this way, Kind words can help. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but kind words will cheer up your own heart. And uh, that is true. And so when you come in to a negative person, one thing is don't let that affect you because you want to have the joy in your heart and keep your spirit cheerful. And also speak to the individual with kind words no matter what happens. Um, by the way, the illustration that went on is they talked about that person, and I didn't go into all of that, but I'll give you the end of that story because this is what she said. She said, tears came to the woman's eyes, and this was after treating her with kind words, and uh, because she was always negative and she was really coming down, and this, this person wanted to talk to her. Said, tears came to the woman's eyes as she poured out a story of conflict in personal life. A marriage was breaking up, there was alcoholism in their life, and she had total financial distress. She had hidden all of these troubles behind the guise of a negative, sour spirit and an attitude of, I don't need anybody anyway. In response to a few kind words that I shared with her, she was able to talk about the problems for the very first time. That led to counseling, and it led to her whole demeanor beginning to change. And it all began because someone cared enough to simply speak kind words to her. And that was in a work environment. So again, I think it's a practical thing. And a jump ahead to another one. How about an, uh, an arrogant coworker? Have you ever run into those? And again, dealing with the job. Uh, and the simple idea here is that, is, she goes on with several, several paragraphs, is Jesus told us to love others and put them first even to love our enemies. And she goes on in the story to say, if the coworker is that arrogant, just continue to love them. And even if they become your enemy at work because they're out to get you, we are told to love our enemies. A very practical application, again, of the scriptures. And two other, th uh, two other things I'll get to. What about a domineering person at work? She deals with that. And she goes to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 on this one and that is to humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And we are to walk humbly as a servant. And in our jobs, we are to be servants and have a servant's attitude. She says this, a servant's attitude will smile at someone who tells us 
how to do our jobs better. You ever get somebody on the uh, job like that, that they really know nothing about your job, but they're always telling you how to do better. By the way, we all do that. I can tell you that as an official. Everybody knows how to officiate. Nobody knows the rules. And somebody probably, you might be an engineer, and nobody knows anything about engineering, but they'll tell you how to do it. You might be an accountant, and everybody knows a little bit of math, so they think they're all accountants. And on and on it goes. We all know how to keep the housework, uh, house right, and tell our spouses and whatever, everything that's wrong, because we're experts when they're in living in it all day long. But anyway, how do you treat someone like that who tells you try to do the job better? Uh, it might even, th we might even thank him for his suggestion and look beyond the strained relationship to see if it's really worthwhile to get discouraged rather than to just serve them with a godly attitude. And so those are just a couple of practical things that I thought, and the article ends up with really examine yourself finally as to how my personal walk is with God. Because if my work environment isn't right, it may be the point of the article is that God has you there for a purpose and you're failing to concentrate on your own walk. And if your walk isn't right with God, that may be why you're seeing all the negativism, that may be why you're seeing all of these situations. And we need to remember, and it closes with Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, and that is we're there to let our light shine to them because we can't expect from an unlost world that they are going to respond that way. I thought that was just some practical things related to what we talked about, how we ought to be thankful for our jobs and how I did deal with even when it's difficult and even in some tough situations. That leads us into the seventh point that I'll give you. And what is that? It is the title tonight, For Whom Am I Working? We need to remember that we are not really working for those who have employed us. In a sense, we are. In a sense, we are, and we mentioned last week, don't be jealous just because you're making them money. They're providing you with a job, and you ought to be thankful. But ultimately, who are we serving? The Lord. And in this proverb, it says the same thing, really. Even in our plans, everything that we do, count your works or commit your works to the Lord. And I would say that that's everything, not just employment. I'm using that uh, by way, obviously, of application. But we ought to just have our plans resting with the Lord because the Lord has made everything for a purpose. And that might mean even the difficult boss, even the wicked, it says in this passage, for the day of evil. And we need to realize that when we're on the job, when God's provided us a job and we are to work, that again, he is the one that ultimately we are serving. And I wanted to expand on this by actually turning to the New Testament as we did a little bit last week. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And this is really the attitude. What should be our attitude when we go to work every day? What should be our attitude on doing our housework? What should be our attitude on doing our homework or doing those assignments? It was interesting. I'll share this with you. Uh, I need to be careful when I share some things like this, but, but you know, nobody got any bad grades for it, so. Um, but I gave a recent assignment to my class again, and it was interesting to me. It was a very simple assignment. It, it had to do with looking up the word canon, and that's with one N, uh, because we're dealing with uh, the scripture and how the, the, the books are brought together and how we can rely on the preservation of God's word. And, we deal, and I just had them look it up. 
But it was interesting because I heard the classes, they participated, but then I collected them and I, and I looked over the assignment and it, it became interesting to me. There was only one student who used the same source that was used by 10 other students. And what I noticed is nine of those students that used this particular source gave just a one-line answer that was simple of what canon was. And most of it had to do with a collection of books that is religious. But someone, one of the students was very diligent. Why? And it was a student that usually doesn't do well. The student listed all 10 definitions by the same source. That told me something. It told me to go back and look because the other students just did a quick assignment to answer a question and picked out the first one without looking at all the detail. Because really what I wanted to get to with the class is all the way back to the root of the meaning of the word, which means a ruler, which means the idea of a standard of measure. And then eventually it did become a number of different things. But very few, there was only one student that had that down because they took the time to go all the way through all nine definitions. Why am I saying that? When you're doing something as unto the Lord and you see whether that's a work assignment, whether it's a homework assignment, that's the idea. Whether or not you're serving in the nursery, whether or not you're singing in the choir, whether or not you're playing the piano, these simple verses that were brought up just a moment ago, that whatever we do, we're to do heartily to the Lord. I wonder if we really have that attitude at work. Is it really just enough to get by, or do we really see that I am provided and thankful for this job that I have? And your job may change, your career may change, but whatever it is at the time, do we see it that I'm employed by the Lord, really? And Colossians kind of helps with that a little bit in a couple other passages. First of all, Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to 25. And again, to make it practical, as we're studying Proverbs, since we are to work, Let's remember that our attitude is to be right because we're really employed by the Lord. Now, he uses it with slaves, and we understand that there were really slaves in the New Testament. We know that. And, and most of us don't look at ourselves as slaves, so it is an application that we have here when we're dealing with the passage. But verse 22, it says, Slave, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth. Now, I think that's a good application. We know, I'll stop there a second, where do you draw the line? If your employer asks you to do something that's sinful, you draw the line. And that's a very practical one even for believers. If they ask you to lie, don't do it. Don't do it. Okay, but other things, if they ask you, they're paying you. So what? They gave you more responsibility. Well, I wasn't hired for that. Really? Well, how about if they give you additional? And that's happening today because of the economy. What has happened is some people have lost jobs. Others have had the same pay and more responsibility. Well, you don't feel like doing it, right? Well, obey those. Now, here's the key. Not with eye service or, or external service. As those who merely please men. That's not why we are even on the job. And even a slave was to look at that. But, in contrast to that, notice this, in sincerity of heart, what? Fearing the Lord. That there, that word, in sincerity of heart, that's the concept of being singleness, wholeness. When we're on the job, whatever we're doing, when your parents give you an assignment at home, 
When you're working in the work world, we ought to be doing it in singleness of heart toward the Lord. Lord, I am doing this the best that I can for you. Not just with eye service to see if the boss is looking. But we ought to be serving that way. I would venture to say that the work environment would change greatly in all of our circumstances if we had this attitude. And you will affect others around you. And you notice it says the same thing at Colossians that was quoted. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. It does, and you don't want to walk up to your boss and say, yeah, I guess I'll do that. But I want you to know, by the way, I'm not really doing it for you. I'm doing this for the Lord. That's a real testimony. Okay? You don't want to do that. But you do want to have in your heart, in a practical sense, the attitude, even when it's a difficult task, you know, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't like that part of my work. I don't like that. But you know what? In your heart, I'm serving the Lord. The Lord's allowed that for a reason. And I'm serving him anyway. I'm thankful I got the job. God wants me to work. I'm able to benefit my family. I don't see this benefiting me right now, but it's going to benefit my employer, and I'm going to still be able to have a job. That ought to be the attitude and what processes through our mind. Knowing, by the way, verse 24, that from the Lord you will receive the reward. You say, I just want my paycheck. Really? You're going to get a better reward from the Lord. The Lord's got us here. Remember, this isn't our home. We are the true aliens. We are the true strangers. Our home is in heaven. And it is to be a light to them, even on the job and even in work, so that we are cheerful. I'll, I'll be careful again, but I, I, I praise the Lord when I heard this happen. This just happened this past week. Um, I was officiating. It was a very difficult game. In, in, uh, it was a basketball game. And... Um, it was the two top teams in one of the divisions, and it was very heated. And the coach had just come back from being thrown out a game two games ago, and I get the game that he's coming back. He had to sit out a game, and he came back. And we talked about that in the, in the locker room beforehand. And, and as the game went on, the, he got a little bit out of hand, but I was able to go over and kind of calm him down a few times, so much so that by the end of the game, he was laughing with me. And... and the thing that hit me was this, just to share, you with, share it with you. That after the game, the other official, who's been around a long time, uh, we liked, we enjoy working together, but he was grateful, and, he's, and he said he learned a few things because of the way I handled him. But what came to my mind, because I'm studying this passage for you, was, you know, it's because even in refereeing, I'm doing his unto the Lord. And I'm looking for ways to be a testimony there, and even to this, and it was to this other official by the way the game was handled. And that's important. That's important for us to do that. We need to see, knowing that our reward's in heaven. Oh, I'll get a check for the game and everything else, but that's, that's secondary. That's really not the issue. And the reward of the inheritance, it is the Lord whom you serve. So I want to encourage you right away, and I need to read verse 25 too. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done and without partiality. Naturally, that's from the Lord, without partiality. But I'm going to tell you this, practical sense, it'll also happen in the job. The people that will lose their job will be the ones that really aren't putting in that extra effort and aren't, and aren't putting in that extra work. And before I leave this passage to compare it to one other one, I want to remind those who may be employers what it says in chapter 4, verse 1. 
because it's all related to the job. Masters, grant your servants justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. See, so it doesn't make any difference whether you are the employer or whether you are the employee. It doesn't make any difference whether you're the parent or the child. It doesn't matter whether you're the teacher or the student. It doesn't matter. Whatever we are doing, we are serving the Lord, and we are to look for the ways that I can be. If you are the employer, if you are a teacher in a class, if you're teaching students here, in, in, even in Sunday school, if you are working, you are to know that you are representing the Lord. And by the way, do you know to your children, I had something very precious that happened to me this morning, and I took it home. And it was uh, one, of the, one of the children came out and handed me a note. And I opened the note and read it. Boy, how precious it was. It was a real encouragement to me as a pastor. It came from a little girl this morning. But what I thought again was how much we can impact the lives of even young children. You think you're in the nursery and you've been teaching all of these years a junior church, uh, you've been working and you're not having an impact. Listen, these children are looking up with pride that this is my teacher. We're serving the Lord. You say, you know, I'm serving on the piano, the organ. Do it the best you can. You're serving in the office in the secretarial position. Do it the best you can as unto the Lord. Yeah, the circumstances get difficult. But if you're an employer the same way, treat with fairness, kindness, justice, because we have a responsibility before the Lord as well. It reminds us that we are really serving God when we have a job. All right, go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. It says basically the same thing, but look at, look at it again. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. I will purposely go back to verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Why did you go back to that passage? Well, let me read the rest of it. Servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling again in sincerity. There it is, that unity that singleness of your heart as to Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God. This is the will of God from the heart. With good will, rendering service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, as he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And then in verse nine, masters do the same things to them and give up threatening. That's why I wanted to go back, even in our parenting, knowing that both, that both their master and yours is in heaven. There's no partiality. So even in the practical area, and I could have gone back. I didn't want to pick on the children. That's why I didn't go back to verse 1. Because we always pick on them rather than pick on the fathers and rather than pick on our responsibilities. We're not to provoke them to anger. But even in our parenting, even in our jobs, we're to do it as serving the Lord. And I think if we can keep that in the forefront of our thinking and realize it's a privilege to have a job, I ought to be thankful for that. And who is my employer? Ultimately, it's God. You'll get a paycheck, you'll, you'll, you'll get a reward here, but really we're looking for the rewards in heaven far beyond those provisions that will benefit our families and that will benefit us. We're looking for the others. It is really a gift. I wanted to look at that, just one verse in the Old Testament. Go with me to Ecclesiastes. There's many 
things to talk about it being a gift of the Lord in, in, in many areas, but I think this summary here can get us the same point. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, it's, it's interesting because it, you know chapter 3 probably without realizing it, this is the one that's a time to plant, a time to pull up, a time to kill, a time to heal, and all of that's before it, and what profit is there. To the worker, verse 9, from that which he toils, I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men from which to occupy themselves. We have a job. We're, we're occupied. God's given us different abilities, different services. What profit is that? He has made everything, verse 11, appropriate in its time, going all the way back to the whole verses 1 through 9. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work of God, what God has done from the beginning even to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. And here it is. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks, that is a result of the work. That is a result of the toil. Sees good in all his labor. It's the gift of God. It's the gift of God. God has given us that gift and ability. And even to be able to eat and drink, sometimes... You ever get into the routine? You know, it's interesting because, let me first of all get into the routine. You get, you get up, you, you know, you come to church tonight, now you go home, you'll be tired, you go to bed, you get up in the morning, eat breakfast, off to work, go to do what you got to do, come home, eat, go to bed, get up, go to bed, all of this stuff, and it seems like routine, routine. That's an easy one, guys, uh, ladies, if you're out working. How about this one? You get up. You, do the, you get breakfast, you do the dishes, or even if you're using the dishwasher, use the dishwasher, you take care of the laundry, you get ready for supper, you come home, and all of a sudden you get more laundry because everyone else just threw their laundry all back after you did it all over again. Now you got to do it again. You get a meal, you go to bed, you get the routine, and you just get on and on. That's that cycle of life, a time to, lie, uh, a time to die and a uh, time to love, a time to hate, all of that stuff. We go through the routines, and you say, for what purpose? What's the profit? It is still good, and God has provided, and that's the way we got to look at it. we got to see that it's a gift of God. Our work is a gift of God. He's gifted us in different ways, and there is a routine to it, and yet it is able to provide for us. Again, we see that in what? We also are able to eat and drink. So our thought process is our attitude at work is it is from the Lord. I have two le points left. I'll tell you what they are that I hope to cover and will be done with this area, but I'm not going to stop them. It's, it's three of seven. So you're going you're gonna to get a chance to go home early tonight, aren't you? It's great. Um, but I'll, either one of them will take a little longer. And I'll tell you what they are. Don't be a workaholic. It's a very practical thing. And we'll look at the scriptures in Proverbs and the New Testament. You don't want to be a workaholic and because sometimes people escape the reality of a lot of things, including their own family over that one. And the third thing is don't be slothful. It ties in everything we've been talking about. Be a hard worker. Don't be a slothful worker, one that goofs off. And we'll see both of those from Proverbs. I left slothful for the end because there's so much in the book of Proverbs on that. It's very practical. Uh, but we'll close here for tonight. So our attitude ought to be that whatever we're doing, it is 1 Corinthians 10.31. We ought to be doing it as unto the Lord, 
because God has provided us with this work, labor for him. Even if a diff difficult boss, difficult circumstances, difficult employees in your midst. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you and praise you again for the jobs that we do have. We thank you again tonight for the very practical things that you provide for us to meet our every need. And I pray, Father, you'd help us not to be looking around to see if the boss is working, looking. Uh, not to look around and just do enough to get by. But help us, Father, to realize that we are servants of the living God. And help us to do our job as unto you with heartiness, with a single heart, with eagerness, so that we'll be pleasing in your sight, so that we'll be a testimony for you. And I pray, Father, and ask that you would just bless our lives for it and help us to rejoice and look forward to the rewards in heaven. We thank you and praise you for this time together tonight, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.